As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Very special guest today. This is a guy, I've done his podcast a couple times. And so now I am I am making him return the favor. This is what I do. I go on your podcast and I, I hook you and you have to come on mine. Uh, Freddie Stevenson, you can hear him on Double Fries No Slaw, which is the best Florida State podcast going. Also has the best logo and the best T-shirt, which is my new favorite T-shirt because they sent me one. But Freddie, former Florida State fullback, has one of the most Amazing life stories you'll ever hear, and he's trying to get it out there because he's trying to help some people who grew up in his situation. and And Freddie, thank you so much for doing this. No problem, no problem. I appreciate you just for having me on and allowing me to tell my story today. Well, I, it's it's unbelievable. And so you sent me a copy of your, of your book, Trials to Triumph. Which, by the way, so I, I've been writing for a long time for a living. And writing a book is really hard. I've, I've done a ghostwriting gig where I, I helped write one. Uh, I've been involved in some kind of ones where you contributed to it. But to sit down from scratch and write a book is really difficult. You did it a couple of years ago at age 23. And I got to tell you, I mean, this this thing is a page turner. So did you did you know when you were doing this that people are going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Freddie, Freddie made it through all that? Not really just when i was going through the transition i was trying to figure out what was what was next and just after mentors kind of guided me through the process and me kind of getting clarity on some things i was like man i have to tell this story and i know you said it's tough to write a book but it was easy for me because i'm telling my story so just telling my story and bringing my bringing my flair to it and just being me a goofy person that's also motivational it made it made it an easy process well and and you're now trying to get that story out you're trying to talk to to kids and tell them that story you're you're working on getting certified so you can you can go into prisons and and get your book into prisons and help those guys uh, maybe give them some inspiration and and so i i'll just start because i read it really i i read it today and it, i could not put it down you start out with a story from when you were a little kid and you know, you're living in, in Polk County, Florida. You guys are doing pretty well. Money's money's good. And you talk about how you didn't, 
at the time were too young to kind of understand how the money was coming in. But your dad, you know, always had money. You always had nice clothes. You always had the newest, the newest Jordans, Tommy Hilfiger stuff. And your parents throw a party and you're kind of running around and you pick up what you think is a piece of candy. What was it? Yeah, so I'm at a, they had a big party and I'm not really realizing what's going on at the time. I think I see a piece of candy and it's a big crack rock on the, on the ground and I'm about to eat it. And one of my aunts, she comes and grabs me. And this is when I first found out what was taking place. It was crazy. And so you find out, you figure out your dad is, is selling cocaine, like yeah. is, is moving serious amounts of cocaine. Without, without a doubt. And the party, I was just like, a lot of these people I don't even recognize. And then I start after that moment, why are they trying to keep me away from seeing everything? And then I look and I start paying attention to the surrounding. Like you see guys with big chains, big cars sitting up on it's Like it's crazy. And I didn't, I didn't have a clue until that point. And so, you know, you, you tell the whole story of, of your father had a guy who kind of turned on him dropped his name to the feds. They, they do an undercover operation. They wind up arresting. How old were you when, when your dad got arrested? I don't remember the exact age. I just remember the situations. So yeah, going in and seeing them. And a lot of these things that I, I wrote about, their stories that he told me as I grew up, I didn't know how they called them. But just, I believe, three years ago, I found out one of his friends dimed him out. And that's when they started the investigation and everything and got him. And so your mom is working three jobs while your dad's in jail and, and fighting the charges. And uh, you said it, so at a certain point, she finally she got wore out and, and she wound up being unemployed. And there's a story you tell in this book that I, I, I was choking up reading it. I can't even imagine you thinking about it, especially in terms of your mom, where she had you, you kids and, and she, you guys are kind of walking around. You have no car. You walk into a McDonald's. She has a dollar in her pocket and she buys one hamburger cuts it she cut it what five ways yeah, for, five for ways. your kids it, but didn't leave any for herself and you guys were trying to give her a piece of yours and she wouldn't take it i mean that is that's love right there that, that is love yeah it was, it's definitely what drove me all of this time just that was tough in itself but watching my mom because the total came out to a dollar and five cents. And you go on my Instagram and my all my social media platforms and my page name is Struggle Made 105. And the total came out to 105. And I remember watching her have to beg for a nickel because the clerk at the cash register wouldn't allow her to get the cheeseburger with the dollar. So then we go outside, she slices it up and we watch her break down in tears because she couldn't eat with us that day, but she sacrificed for us. So whenever I wanted to give up, that, that always came back into my mind. And so you, your dad actually came back after about three years in jail because uh, there was a, I guess, kind of a, a paperwork snafu or, and, and they ended up having to release him. But he did not go back into that life, it sounds like. He, he went and, from what you wrote, he went and got a job at Publix and, uh, and, and is now one of your biggest supporters. How, how did that happen? When, when he came back, what, what happened to you guys? It was, it was tough. It- Coming back, his first, the first thing he wanted to do was to get us out of our situation, and we didn't have the funds to do it. So we were fortunate enough that some people were willing to help will help us out a little bit to get us out of our situation because he was like, I do not want to be in that environment. 
that I just came out of, it, it'll trigger something in me and then I'll be back to living that old lifestyle. So he wanted to get out of that. So we moved to a middle class area and we just watched him struggle. He couldn't get a job for a while because he was a felon. And we, even though we're in this middle class area, we still don't have no money. We're the hood kids that yeah. somebody helped the house. So we're still, we're still just as broke as we were before. And we watched him. He didn't, he wasn't able to get a job because of his criminal history. And he finally got an opportunity, but it wasn't bringing in much money. So I, I can only imagine the battle mentally when you're not bringing in what you used to making and you're watching your family struggle as a man that's expected to provide. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it, and how how proud are you that he got through that to, to get to where he is now? That's why he's my big he's my biggest hero. Now you look at my dad from where he came from. Now he's a pastor and he has his own church, which this is where I'm at right now. And he has his own church and it's steady, steadily growing, still building. Just to watch his trans transformation is crazy. So you, you know, in or in this situation, you wind up playing Pop Warner. You're the, the best player on the team. The, the, my favorite Freddie Stevenson Pop Warner story is where the opposing coach goes up to your coach and tells him he's going to kick his ass if he lets you hand, if he lets you take the ball anymore, <laughs> and you don't get any more carries in that game. <laughs> but you know, when did you realize? Okay, I'm pretty good at football. This this may be a my ticket here. I think that was that was the point because <laughs> if people read the story, like we're, we're the kids. I was brought into a league where it's. I'm not from this area. It's a middle-class area. So I'm the kid from the hood that and full of kids that are privileged. And so they lean on me for everything. And that day we went and played a team that's from the hood. So yeah. I'm balling on them and they couldn't stop me. So they're like, they're probably in the head. Like how are these privileged kids balling on us? Not knowing like I'll come from where you come from too. And the coach, he just got mad. He was like, listen, you're not giving him the ball no more. And I remember crying because we lost that game. By a touchdown, I believe. I was like, man, if I would have got the ball, we would have won. That was your first taste of football politics, which which would kind of follow a little bit the rest of your life. Which, well, I we'll get into that, but I want to talk about you in high school because you, you end up going to Bartow High School, and it, you know, which for Florida State fans, that's where Odell Haggins went to, went to high school too. So, um, you know, you you become a, a star on both sides of the ball, running back, linebacker, but. I did not realize you had a really serious injury in high school. That was your junior year, right? Where you you, you broke your leg and broke your ankle at the same time? Yeah, it was second to last game of the season. We, we were getting blown out. I shouldn't have even been in the game. But I remember that that process. Coach, coaches are cussing out my head. Coach were putting me in the game. And they knew that just the type of person I was. I seen a lot of my teammates. They were checking themselves out because we're getting blown out. I'm like, man, we're, we're not going to check out this game. I'm a, That's how I am. I'm going to continue to fight. And I went in, and I'm the best player on the team. I shouldn't have been in. And I break my leg. I remember being at the hospital, and the doctor told me after seeing the x-rays and doing the MRIs, like, um, it's, it's not – you're not going to be able to play again. You just have to focus on being able to walk. This is a grues gruesome injury. And I, I remember going back and forth with them, and they had to bring somebody in there to calm me down. I was like, you don't understand. Like, I told my mom I was going to make it to the NFL, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I don't care how I got to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm saying this at the time where I have zero offers. 
So I'm going through a process. I just broke my leg, have zero offers, and I don't have any schools interested in me, and I don't know where it's going to lead, but I'm still trying to find a way to be optimistic. So I'm going through the rehabilitation process every week. And at one point, it kind of set in on me, like, man, I may not have a school take a chance on me after the second surgery. Like, man, I I, I truly don't know. And I remember it to this day, the coach that called me. Alan Super from UMass. I, I'm a listen, shout out, shout out to you, man, because I know I ended up going to Florida State. But if things would have worked out to where I didn't have another offer, I knew I would have had an opportunity to go to UMass. And this was at a point when nobody wanted to take a chance on me. And after that offer came, everybody started calling. So that opened the gateway for everything. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It took a little while for the Florida schools to to get going, but Texas A and M, you, you you wrote was was probably your favorite. But mom didn't want you going that far. Who? What? What assistant was re- recruiting you from Texas A and M? Um, you got Coach Waller State, and what's the coach from? It was just at Florida State a few years ago. Um, Mark Snyder. Snyder. Yeah, Snyder. Yeah. And I re- I didn't know how big it was. Until they came to the school, it was a day, like, literally. And people don't understand that I was getting recruited as a running back out of high school as well. So people didn't really understand how big it was until Georgia came to the school, South Carolina came to the school, and Texas A&M all came on the same day. But Texas A&M, <laughs> Texas A&M and South Carolina were looking at me as a linebacker, but Georgia came in there they were like, yo, like, and I'm only getting, like, two, three carries a game. We're like, yo, like, you, you can play running back at this next level. Like, we're looking at you as a running back. And – that's when people realize, okay, it's the real deal. And Texas and them, they were always high on me, and I just liked what they were building building there for some reason. And that's the school I wanted to go to, but my mom told me, she was like, man, I'm not signing those papers. You're not leaving Florida. So so Florida State, you've got you know, Odell went to Bartow. Lawrence Dossey recruited you. The, you know, the, the usual Florida State all-star team that, that, that would come in during the Jimbo Fisher era to recruit. But you signed with them as a linebacker, right? Yeah, without a doubt, I was – one of the top, I say what top top fifteen linebackers in the country coming out. I was in the top two fifty, I believe. And yeah, I signed as a linebacker, so I'm thinking I'm finna come in and have an opportunity to play early. And I'm I'm completely raw. A lot of these guys they play high linebacker their whole careers. I only played it for two years, and I got all those offers in a few months. So I'm thinking like, man, as I develop, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a first round draft pick. Things don't happen that way. Though. I get to Florida State. I early enroll. I kill it in spring. And Coach Pruitt, Coach Kelly, like Coach Pruitt wanted to meet my family. Like they didn't expect me. I believe they signed Matthew Thomas and all these top yeah, guys. This is they 2013. Y'all are about to win a national yeah. title. Yeah. They expect Freddie Stevenson to come in in spring and kill it. So Pruitt's like, yo, um, and he didn't recruit me at Bama. He's like, Freddie, I want to meet your family and all this stuff. But they kept telling me, like, Fred, you got to gain weight. You got to gain weight. You can play, but you got to gain weight. And I'm like, I'm smaller than Telvin Smith at this point. 
talent, man. I gotta, I gotta find a way to gain weight. I'm coming in in the summer. I'm eating cold stone every day. <laughs> and mind you, I just had this this big surgery, and I thought that I recovered, but I, I had my body hadn't been used to that weight. So when we got back in fall camp, I, I couldn't move at all. My leg was stiff, and coaches are like, "Yo, what, yo, what's up?" Like they gave me opportunity. Me and Terrence Smith. We were going to compete for a spot. They gave me opportunity, and then I just watched myself work down the depth chart because I, I would see plays, and I just couldn't move and get there. Yeah, you got you got bad weight and a and a bum ankle because it's still trying to mm-hmm. to heal. That's yeah. If you and then you put bad weight on that, that that's hard to hard to move around on. But so they come to you and and ultimately say, "Hey, we could use you at fullback this year." Which I, I thought it was interesting because you immediately said. That is a position that is getting schemed out of the game. So I'm not sure I want to do that. That and I'm gonna tell you this is gonna be hilarious. I'm gonna show you the the BS way they presented it to me. They're like, <laughs> listen, Freddie, you played in high school. We want to cross train you. You're gonna still play linebacker, then you're gonna play fullback. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds good, but I don't see too many people in. So I go out to practice thinking I'm still playing linebacker and I'm doing the drills. And I remember my linebacker coach just looking at me and I was like, oh, coach, what's what's going on? He was like, man, coach wants you on the other side. I was like, nah, y'all said I'm I'm playing linebacker still. Like, no, what no, no, no. Jay Graham's over there. Go see Jay Graham. <laughs> yeah, so I go I go over to the opposite side and I'm just like this all day. Um, they come in to talk to me, calm me down, and Jimbo, Jimbo comes up to me. He's like, listen, Freddie. You're going to make a lot of money. There's nobody at this position with your athleticism that can do what you can do. And the position is phasing out because they don't got guys that can play it. And I remember as soon as he walked off, I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, I I just, my mom just sliced up five slices of cheeseburger. Like, we, I got to make sure mama got them, that bag. Like, we got to get that paper for mama. Like, fullbacks ain't going to do it. And he kind of convinced me over time and things ended up working out for the best. Well, that's the thing. You 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 were beloved at Florida State. You were, I mean, you're Dalvin Cook's fullback. Like the dude who blocks for Dalvin Cook is is royalty in Tallahassee. But you get to the NFL. You you know you you don't get drafted. You get signed by the Bears. And what was that experience like? Because you know that they you were the only fullback in camp at first, right? Yeah, it was it was a little weird and. I remember going through that process. I talk about it a bit in the book. A team, the Redskins, they offered me more money than everybody. They're like, man, whatever any team offers you, we'll double it or triple it if we have to. We need a fullback. So I'm telling my agent, I'm going through the process. Like, I need to go to the Redskins. And he had a client on his um, – he had a client at the time that was on the Redskins. Like, man, their running back room is terrible. I, they had a fullback last year that they cut. I'm like, maybe he just wasn't good enough. And so – Ultimately, I decided to go with the, the Bears because of their plan for me. They were talking to Mike Tolbert type of deal. I'm like, man, that's that's the type of player I am. So forget the money. You don't, you don't want to see that money as a free agent. That means you got cut. A lot right. of that money, that means you got cut. I'm like, all right, cool. That makes sense. So we went over there, and they had a fullback on the roster, and they cut him as soon as I came in. So first day I came in. So everybody's like, even the vets, they're hating on me. They're like, man, listen, this, this rookie just got in here. He's going to have an easy route to making the team. And I believe it was like a month and a half after we started OTAs, they they bring in a guy that our coaching staff was familiar with. And I'm like, man, as soon as he came in there, they're like, this guy's going to make us better. I'm like, oh, damn. I yeah, never had yeah. to deal with like, yeah. like 
and I, in my head, I'm like, I'm, I know I'm better than him. I ain't, ain't got to worry about nobody beating me physically, but it seems like they already made a decision in their mind before everything started. And so you, you get cut, and then you, you get some more tryouts, but nothing nothing quite works out. You you tried out for the 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 league that that started and folded the the Orlando team that Steve Spurrier coached. And at what point does it does it occur to you? Okay, I've got to I've got to figure out what I'm going to do beyond football. When that league folded and things didn't work out, I was like, all right, it's time to it's time to figure something out because I'm chasing this dream and I've been paying, I don't have a job. All this money I made over the course of years from football is gone now. So I got to bring in some money. And at that point I had a daughter come, come in. So I was like, man, I got to stack up some cash. And that's when ultimately everything started to go south for me. You, you wrote in the book that you, you, you had like 600 bucks in your bank account. You, you knew some guys in the weed game. You you used it to buy a supply, and then uh, you had some had some other people sell it for you. But then you were you were kind of building up on that. But then a couple things happened. What what were the things that happened that that got you out of that? Um. So okay, right, so I'm gonna tell the story. I started off with six hundred. That was that's that's all I had, and I reached out to a friend of mine. He got me right. And then I was, the guys, they were moving too slow for me. I was like, man, listen. And they couldn't move it, the product, but I just didn't want my face attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm a known face. But after a while, I was just like, man, screw it. I'm finna just put my face in on it. And I just started stacking up cash, stacking up cash. And in the book I wrote that I went from 600 to 20. And what I left out is about, I say, two, three, three to four more weeks, I ran that up to about 50, 50 racks. Wow. Just in that that course of time. And that's all for no, no fronts, me doing everything out of my own pocket. So if you know, like, the game, that's tough. But what ultimately led me out of the game is a situation that I can't speak on because that's kind of still open. Mm-hmm. And it was like a situation where my freedom was on the line. And I'll tell I'll tell this without incriminating myself. But a situation took a situation took place that I had nothing to do with mm-hmm. but due to somebody they got they got tied up and they started talking now there's a huge huge investigation on me because of that situation mm-hmm. and thing one thing led to another but somebody kind of helped helped me out in that situation they they saw my career and they saw the things that I did and they were like man listen I shouldn't be telling you this but this and that and the other, this is what's going to take place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to watch you throw away your life. I didn't know who the person was. And that's what led me out. I remember holding my daughter because I, it was like right around the time she was born. Yeah. And I remember holding her and looking at her not knowing if I was going to be free to see her grow up. And I remember watching my dad from the other side of that glass. He was fortunate enough to get out of there, but everybody's not fortunate fortunate enough to get out of it so i remember thinking like man i got to change my life around and in the midst of that a mentor reached out to me because like man i got an opportunity for you mm-hmm. and i went to speak and i was scared out of my mind man listen when i tell you they just dropped the money on me because a mentor yeah no no who who did you who did they send you to speak to oh some a high school okay yeah i went to speak to a high school at like a little all-star game. It's a big all-star game they had. And so you got guys from all over the area 
I'm like, man, my, my first event is this. Like, you don't warm me up or anything. <laughs> and I come in, they already dropped, they already dropped money. So I'm like, dang, I shouldn't have took that money, man. Like, and I go in, I remember the day I practiced, <laughs> I practiced my speech. I'm like, man, I took that money. I'm gonna give it back to him. <laughs> I practiced my speech and I'm driving to And I was like, man, I'm finna turn around and just tell them that I can't do it. Like they're gonna have to find another speaker. But something in me just led me there. And I remember just telling some of my story and it just resonated with the audience. And I remember people sending me videos of me speaking and I didn't understand it at the time. But when I watched the videos, like I'm pumped up, like I'm about to run out the tunnel. They're like, man, this is what you meant to do. And just feeling, feeling that presence of knowing that I'm impacting lives and people coming to me after saying, listen, you changed my life. That's when I realized, okay, everything I went through up to this point didn't make sense to me, but now it makes sense. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. This is something that that I've seen a lot of people struggle with. The idea that, you know, when you when you play and you play at the, the level you played at, it's sometimes hard to disconnect and realize that, that that's not going to be your whole life, that there's another life behind that. And, and you got to live a long rest of your life after after football ends. And, and how hard was that for you to kind of come to grips with? You know, what what am I going to do? What is my life without football? Yeah, it's it's tough because your whole life you dedicate yourself to playing in the NFL, and you want to have a great career, so you play in the Hall of Fame. So our whole mindset is, all right, I'm the football player. I'm the football player, and you always hear people say, have a backup plan, have a backup plan, and you think, oh, they're saying they're saying I'm not going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. But no, have a backup plan. Like you're not going to do this forever, and that's what hit me and I was it was tough to deal with and I see a lot of guys they'll struggle with it now it took me about three years to fully get over that and make that transition but it was a rough three years a lot of dark times I was gonna say what is it what is it like when it, when a young person comes up to you and says what you said connected with me it, it, it I, I want, I'm gonna change something I'm gonna do something different because of something you said it's it's a great feeling just knowing there are no guarantees in this world, there's no guarantees in this game, but just having a little goddess, everybody doesn't have that. So just being the tool that can make a spark for somebody that may have all the tools they need to be successful, but they may lack in confidence. They may lack in direction. That's where I feel like I'm I'm doing my part because from my standpoint, my mindset, if I get in shape right now, I go bust their ass in the NFL and make a Pro Bowl. Like, that's my mindset. And anybody that's played with me will tell you the same. I got guys from the Bears like, yeah, why'd you give it up? And that's my mindset. It's all about, it's just unfortunately about being in the right situation. And being somebody that went through that and knows, like, a lot of things will be outside of your control in not only this game, but life. So you got to, giving them that sense of direction from somebody that's went through it, at the highest levels, that's the that's the best feeling knowing that you impact their lives. Well, and I, that's why I thought it was interesting. Something interesting you wrote in your book that you know you you want the kids who are in your situation to know that you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be any of those things. You don't have to feel like you need to be a football player or that you need to sell drugs or that you know, those are the only ways to make money. Yeah, and that's 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 what and part of it was me talking to myself because you hear you see the story, but. Like, just like my father, like when times get hard, it's like, man, listen, I know I could pick that up right now and run up 10 bands in a few weeks. And that's that battle. Like, it's so much out here that 
you can do. And I'm, I was fighting with that for so long. And then I would rather make $10,000 in 12 months versus a month doing that because I don't respect that anymore. It's too, e it's too easy for me. And I don't really value, value. I'm not a really accomplishing anything to this in this life. I'm not providing any value to this world doing that. It was just a means to provide for my family. When, when you're, when you're doing that, your dad came to you, right? Cause he, you know, he's not doing that anymore, yeah, but yeah, he, yeah. he knows what that life looks like. So he, did he, he said something, didn't he? And it's crazy. It's a crazy story. This is my pops and anybody that you don't even have to know about the, you don't have to be in the streets to know when people start changing their cell phone number all the time, you know what's going on. So since high school, I've always been on the cell phone plan with my family. We all on one plan together. Everybody's good. is cheap. So I kept changing my phone number. So he was like, yo, like what's, what's going on? And then I go buy a, a super nice apartment. He's like, man, this man isn't working. So he hits me up. And I didn't realize how messed up I was until I looked back at our conversations. He's asking me, he's like, man, listen, I got burnt thinking that I was too large. And I told him, I was like, listen, you were flashy. Nobody knows I'm making this type of money. Nobody. I'm still riding in my old car. I haven't bought anything nice. I'm buying materialist things, but I'm not flashing them. Nobody in the area knew what I was doing. But he figured it out instantly, which means somebody else could too. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta yes, be careful yeah. of that. <laughs> Tied in directly with me, but other people, other people didn't have a clue. Yeah, and really, to be honest with you, so it's, it's a blessing in disguise what took place because I got jammed up off somebody else. Mm -hmm. I was still under, I was under the radar, and they just went to talking, which always, you know, that's how the game which goes. What happened to your dad? So yeah, it's ironic. Well, and, and so now you, you've got you've got you're, you're speaking to groups. You're, you're trying to expand that. You've got a clothing line. What's what's your clothing line called? It's called Triumph 105. Everything, pretty much everything I do has 105 tied into I, it. I don't blame you. That's a, that is a, an incredible story. And, and how's mom, by the way? She's blessed. <laughs> she's I bet, blessed, I bet she's happy now. Yeah, she. That energy she has, you wouldn't even, if you meet her, you wouldn't even know she was going through what she was going through. And that's just a spirit she's always kept. And it's got me through a lot of dark times. A that's, beautiful spirit. that's an angel right there. That is an angel. So, well, Freddie, I, I, this is unbelievable. I, I hope that your story gets out to a lot of people. How, how can people find Trials to Triumph if they wanted to read it? Because I'm, I'm telling you, this is a hell of a book. They can go on Trials to Triumph book.com. And on there, you'll find the option to get it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and all these other sites like Walmart and sites like that. But it tells a little bit more of my backstory that you won't see on these other sites. And you'll have the op option of getting a personalized copy from me. So if you want to get a check out the book, go on trialsoftriumphbook.com. All right. Well, Freddie, thank you so much. This is, this is awesome. And uh, I, I got a feeling we're going to see you talking to to some pretty big groups i i bet you wind up talking to some college football teams too because there's there's probably some guys that that are sitting in in some shoes that are real similar to, to yours a few years ago where you can you can help them out yeah without a doubt i would i would love to do it and any coach that winds up seeing this listen have somebody that's been through the trenches the fire but is open and vivid about speaking their struggle. Everybody, does, you see a lot of guys, they go through these struggles and they just duck off. Nobody ever hears from them again. 
And I don't I don't agree with that. Like this is a fraternity. This football thing is a fraternity. A lot of these guys, you seen it the other day when Ryan Leaf, he went out, he um talked on like this mental health thing is a big deal. Oh, so yeah. you never know where the guy going through. So having somebody that's went through it, I was going through depression. I've had suicidal thoughts and I almost lost my freedom out here in the streets. And these guys, a lot of these guys, the reality is that some of them aren't going to make it to the league and some won't last long in the league. But knowing that, okay, I don't have to go back to the street life. There's other things out there for me. That's the biggest thing. Well, yeah, I, I've done work with Ryan on the radio and, and he did lose his freedom. And and he'll tell you all about it. And he for him, the freedom is in telling the story. Like he didn't feel truly free until till he started telling people his story. And it and it sounds like it helps you a lot to to tell it as well. Yeah, it's it's therapy every time I get I get to tell it and see knowing that I don't know if a guy's gonna take it in. Like I said, some I would at some points in my life I wouldn't listen if it went through one ear and not the other, but it's gonna spark one mind. And it's a lot of times you'll get that right person that can make impacts on other people. So that's all I'm asking for. If it can change one life, that's cool. And then we'll start changing more and more. But we touch, we touch one life day. That's all we need, baby. That's all you need. Freddie Stevenson, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.